If you could turn to Romans chapter 5, that's where we're going to be for today. And um, if uh, you want, it's also available on the Bible app, uh, the YouVersion Bible app. You go to the events, it'll be there also. But um, I wanted to talk about Christmas because, you know, Christmas is coming, you know, and uh, it's just one of those things where it's the month of December, pastors talk about Christmas. It's just one of those things, you know, like, it's like we have to. Um, and, uh, but as I was thinking about it, there, there was, it's, it's really interesting. This year is just a weird year. And uh, was anyone else a little bit, like, nervous about Christmas this year? Like, what's it actually going to be like, right? And, and Christmas, for me, I've always loved Christmas. It's just one of those awesome times of year. It's just a little bit different from the rest of the year. Everyone's, you know, playing the same songs on the radio that you hear every single year. You've got everyone putting up the Christmas lights on their house and all that kind of thing. There's just this really celebratory uh, kind of just feeling throughout the entire season, right? The whole Advent season. And, you know, as we were approaching the season, I was a little like, are people even going to like get into that this year? Or are they going to dive into it more because, you know, we, we really need this this year, that kind of thing. And it's just so interesting because we sometimes get the short end of the stick in life, right? That things, bad things just kind of come our way. And it goes beyond just a time in life. I mean, do you ever go through those bouts where you just don't feel that great about yourself, about life, about things that are going on? And it's, it's a struggle. And as we go through a Christmas like this, things don't look very hopeful. There's so much division in our world and in our society. It just feels like a bad start to the season, right? And um, when I was in cross country uh, in high school, I found that that often can be really difficult when you have a bad start, right? Um, you, you line up for the race and you've been getting ready. And, and some days it, it feels great. The weather's great. Everything feels good and you're ready to go. And then other days it's kind of cloudy and windy and you really don't feel like doing it. And I really don't even want to, you get up in the morning and man, I got a race today. I don't want to go run 3.2 miles for 20 minutes. That just does not sound like a great way to start my morning. And you get up to the line and the gun goes off and you kind of you go, but and you're running, and like this just feels awful. And that sets up your mindset for the entire race, right? And a lot of times, that's when it doesn't go that well. And in, and sometimes I feel like we feel that way in life, right? Like we we look at ourselves, we we look at all the shortcomings we have, or the difficulties that we have to face in life, and it's just man, this is not a good start to this life thing, right? And I've got one of these, like, I, this isn't fair, right? The problem is we do have a false start. And that's kind of what I want to talk about today is, is where do we find hope 
as we talk about Christmas, right, we always talk about the hope that is, comes from this time of year. It's one of those, you know, four ideas of Advent, right, is, is the hope of Christ. What is that? How does that work, right? So we're going to look in, in uh, Romans chapter 5 to begin, because in Romans chapter 5, uh, Paul sets up a very, very great concept of this idea, especially with this idea of a false start, a, a, a bad setup, a bad inheritance that we kind of get. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12, if you could start with me there. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Okay, you want a bad start? There it is, <laughs> right? Wow, Paul, you are really uh, laying it on heavy there. Sin and death throughout all the world permeating from the very start of the one man who began it all, right? On that fateful day in the garden, all of mankind stood before God in a shameful, fearful defiance of his goodness. And Paul continues on saying about that in verse 13, for sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses even over those things whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Okay, so this is one of Paul's really, really, like, wordy passages that's like, you read it, and, like, you're like, what did he just say, <laughs> right? And in this passage, Paul is describing the consequence of sin, which is death, right? And he's describing the setup of Adam sinned against God, right? The first man, and, and from that point we have inherited a really, really bad start. The consequence of sin and death. And Paul is arguing here not just that it's God's laws that make sin a thing, right? It's not like everyone was cool until God said, okay, you can't do this, this, and this from the Bible, right? When Moses got the law, that's not when sin started. And Paul's arguing this, and, and he's saying, Death was before that law came. So that means that everyone who lived before that, they all had the consequence of sin. So guess what that means? They sinned. So it's not that God gave us this list of rules and just ruined the party for us, right? We turned against God and were living against him, even though we didn't know entirely what the goodness of God looked like, because we had lost even that. We lost even the concept of that. That's what the law is for, to give us an idea of, you think that you're good? This is what good looks like. Here's, here's just a few laws. If you can keep these, maybe you can kind of come talk to me about maybe that you're good. You can't even do that. So how can you actually think that you are good? That's what the law is for. But before that, we're still not living the goodness that God had intended and created us for. And that's what Paul's arguing. From Adam, from the very start, when he turned against God, we've inherited this sin, this death, this corruption. We inherited from Adam a terrible, unpayable debt, a debt that we, all descendants of man, daily continue to contribute. So this isn't something that just happened to us, right? I'm, I'm not, I don't want you to get from this passage that we're the victims here. 
We are the perpetrators as well. We continue to add to that consequence of sin. We continue to live in that. And that kind of puts us in an impossible situation because we inherit this thing and we, we continue to live in it. We continue to contribute to it. And so as a part of the problem, we can't be the solution. And so Paul continues on with that solution. Keep reading with me in Romans chapter 5, verse 15. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. So what's Paul saying here, right? In a lot of ways, he's saying it's a lot easier to break something than it is to fix it, right? It's broke. That's, that, that happens. Our, we sinned against God. Our relationship with him was broken. And when I was a kid, I learned this uh, in the very hard way that most of us do. Um, my dad had this little golden retriever figurine thing. It was, you know, like a um, plaster kind of thing. You know where I'm going with this, don't you? And uh, he had it up on uh, this little shelf thing. And uh, we had a golden retriever. His name was Hunter. He was the best dog that we ever had. He was the family dog for most of my, you know, time growing up. And so my, my dad loved this dog. So he had this little figurine of a golden retriever, and it's a golden retriever, so obviously it's that dog, right? And um, he had it up there, and I was being, you know, 10-year-old, and I did something. I don't know what I did. And it, it <laughs> fell off, and it fell to the ground, and it was pretty high up. So like, you know how when that happens, things happen in slow motion? It was a really long slow motion. I'm like, oh, no, and it's going, and it hits the ground, and it just, the, a few of the legs shattered. It broke, right? And I'm like, oh, no. Now, what does a 10-year-old do when this happens? Well, you try to fix it, right? So I go and find where the super glue is, and I'm sitting, and I'm trying to put every single piece back together, right? That is not easy to do. I don't know if you've ever tried putting something like that back together. It doesn't really happen, but I did what I could, right? And I got it glued and stuff like that, and I put it back up on the shelf. Luckily, it wasn't something that, you know, I, I, I got it together enough. My dad never noticed. Um, <laughs> don't worry. I have repented of my sin. We have talked it through in the years later. He knows about it, so live stream, we're good. He's not going to, we're, we're okay, but it's really hard to put something back together once it's broken, right? It's a lot bigger of a deal to get it back than it is to break it, and that's kind of what Paul's setting up here. He, he's saying, just like through one man, sin entered the world, and through death, and, and through that sin, death to all men right? Because we all partake in this. We are all part of this problem. But here's the cool thing. 
through one man, we also find life. And that is huge. Why is that huge? Because we, God, actually provided a way that we might have this relationship restored. Breaking it, that, that's a thing. It's a big deal, but it's a lot harder to fix it. And God has the glory because he, that's what he accomplished through Jesus. Because, you see, someone had to accomplish it as one of us. If, if this thing was going to be fixed, if our relationship with God was going to be restored, someone was going to have to stand before God and pay the price, but not owe the debt themselves. So that's not me, and that's not you. No one could actually solve this problem. No one could actually pull this off. It had to be God himself. Hence Christmas. God literally becoming man, revealing himself to us in the most complete way, his created image. God the Son arriving as his own self-portrait. That's what Christmas is about, right? The incarnation, Jesus, God becoming man. All for the purpose of restoring our relationship with him. And so what Paul is describing here in Romans, he's setting up this picture. We have this picture of our sin against God and Adam, right? Adam brought that about through one man, sin entered the world and death by that sin. But on the other side of that, we have one man, the God-man, bringing for us life. When I was in college, um, actually, the teens and I just talked about this uh, this week at our study hub. When I was in college, um, I had a professor for my English. It was, you know, like your, your basic English class uh, that you had to take before literally any other of, you know, writing or speech or anything. And speech is kind of a big thing that you got to take when you're, you know, a pastor and be public speaking. Like, that was a prerequisite to our preaching class. And so, like, this was the start of everything, right? And it's just, it's an English class, you know? Like, I did this all through high school, you know? I don't really, but I got to take it, blah, blah, blah. So I took it. And, you know, my, my professor had this really weird philosophy of, you can always do better kind of thing, you know? And um, so you never really got that great of a grade the first time that you turned your paper in, but she encouraged you to return your paper in with fixes and stuff like that, right? And um, so, you know, I, okay, I, I, I write my paper, and writing has never been really a difficult thing for me. It's, it's something that I can pretty much hash out a paper if I need to. So I, I write a paper, and I turn it in, and I get a B on it, right? And uh, she doesn't leave any kind of marks of, you know, anything that I could do better. So I ask, what, what can I do better with this? And she's like, well, you can just make it better. And I don't know. I'm like, what? So <laughs> I take my paper and I resubmit it. I don't do nothing to the thing. I just turn it back in. I got an A. Hey, right? <laughs> I don't know how that works, but it works, right? And uh, th this often is, is kind of the thing. And, and like, 
apparently my, my teens have kind of experienced that same kind of thing. Teachers are just are like, well, do better. Okay, how do I do that, right? This isn't what we have here. This, this is not the story of an impersonal, uncaring God demanding that we do better. We have a Messiah who paved the way through life and through death itself and through the resurrected life that we are promised. He did all of that first so that we may follow him in that and have that eternal life, that free gift of salvation that he provides. Because he humbled himself and became man so that we might have it as well. And from that, we get a change within us. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15.49, I'm just going to read this to you real quick. Paul is also talking about a very similar kind of concept here in 1 Corinthians 15, but in verse 49, he says something really cool, and I just love the way that he says this, and it's along these same kind of concepts. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Paul here in, in 1 Corinthians is talking about the same idea of how through one man we have the consequence of sin and death. But through Jesus Christ, through the God-man, we have the gift of life. And here he says, just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. So this is more than just, you know, yay, you get this free gift thing. It actually changes us. It changes everything about us. Who we are in Christ, it changes how we view the world, how we act, how we do everything. Because it takes us from this, this original typeset, this, this picture of, of sin and death, this bad inheritance that we have, and replaces that with something completely new. And, and when I read this, it made me picture the old way that they used to do printing presses. Um, if you've, have you ever seen a printing press? It's, it's really, really kind of neat thing. And I love that it all ties back to the Bible. Uh, Gutenberg made it so that you, he could actually mass produce the Bible, which is kind of neat. But he came up with a really clever idea. If I take a letter on a little cube and I put it there and I put some ink on it and I put a piece of paper on it, it leaves it there, right? So if I take a bunch of these letters and I just kind of arrange them in the way I want and then press the paper down, it leaves an imprint of what I put on there. And this is kind of, in a way, what... Paul is describing here, we had a really, really bad imprint, right? It was, it was messy, it had mistakes, it was terrible, and Jesus came in and he replaced all of those. He replaced everything with a picture of who he is. And now that is the image that we bear. A correct, wonderful picture of who God is because Jesus is God. See how that works? See how that all falls into play there? And so we have this new gift of not just the extension of life, right? We, it's not that we just don't suffer the consequence. This life is completely different. We actually get to live a good life as opposed to the life that ended in death being filled with the terrible consequences that brought about that death. We now have this life that we get to live 
in him. And that changes absolutely everything. We are no longer trapped in the old ways of death. We have this new typeset, this new image of God that we live by. And so the incarnation of Christ changes our identity, all of history and all of that, all culminating at the birth of a baby, which is what we celebrate at Christmas. Okay, so what do we do with this, right? These are all nice things that we have. What do we do? Go back to Romans real quick, and we're going to continue reading there the last little bit of this passage. Starting in verse 18. Therefore, so he sets up this whole argument, right? And he says, therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Now, the law came to increase the trespass. It came to, to let us know, hey, this is, what, this is what good looks like. You're not it, right? So, so that makes us all fully aware of this sin that we are committing. So the law came to increase the trespass. But when sin increased, grace abounded all the more. See, God gave us the law, right? The law of the Old Testament. We look at that and God says, okay, this is good. Can you do that? And we're supposed to say, no, I can't do that. And all the more, it's even worse because now that we know it, we're now willfully breaking it, right? So that, that makes it even worse. It's not just that we're not the good that God had created us to be. It's we know what that good is and we're still not doing it, which makes the grace that he gives us that free gift of eternal life, all the better because we are actually being all the worse by willfully not living for him. And so he says all this, right? And the grace may abound all the more so that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So here's the thing about this. Right? What's this got to do with Christmas? Right? Why, why am I preaching a basic gospel message for Christmas? Right? Christmas only works if we spoil the end of the story. We can't get caught up in the moment of his birth without putting it in the perspective of his death and resurrection. We can't get caught up in the moment of his birth without actually understanding why that is even important. And that's why Christmas is not just a birthday. It's, it's not an anniversary date that we mark in the calendar, right? A lot of times when we have these kind of holidays, when we celebrate someone, and if it's their birthday that we're celebrating, it's because of something that they did later, right? We're celebrating, okay, we're celebrating this guy's life because of something he accomplished in the future from that date. But it's more than that. His birth itself is the incarnate revelation of God, the very act of God becoming man. And that is something worth celebrating. That's why we come and adore him. It's why we worship him. Because he did that for us so that he might. It's so, so the death and resurrection, it's all part of it. It's all one big thing that he did for us. And we see that in Philippians chapter 2, which is 
I really like this. I, I um, point to Philippians chapter 2 as a Christmas story, and a lot of people are like, how's that the Christmas story? It is. Watch. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. I'm going to read that real quick, starting in verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God was highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. That's the Christmas story. Looking to where he was and seeing what he became for us. He did not count equality with God something to be grasped, but instead humbled himself to obedience becoming man, living through life, even to death on a cross, so that he might defeat that death, so that we might have victory in him. And I just want you to picture for a moment what that means. We know from Revelation, which we have been going through, which, which is an awesome series that Pastor Terry has been taking us through, the pictures that John paints of when he sees Jesus in all of his glory and all of his majesty with the angels falling before him, worshiping him, and all of the glory that, that John sees that he, he even struggles to put into human words, all of that. And he became man. We are talking about the God of all creation, the one who spoke light into existence, the one who spoke Everything that we see, the mass of all of reality that we can look to in the stars and we, we, we see the planets and we look even down and we see the incredible life that he's created here, all of that was him. All of it created for his glory. And he became man. Now, I've been a, a dad for a year now. Um, and it's been a lot of fun, but I have also learned just what it means to humble yourself to become man, <laughs> taking care of a baby, right? Um, I have one of these things. Anyone know what this is? Yeah, you know what this is. I hate these things. They are the absolute worst. Right now it's okay. This one's a fresh one. It's new, right? There's nothing wrong with it. But like... After it's used, uh-uh, oh, it's the worst. I struggle with it so much. Um, it's bad, right? <laughs> Next time you're changing a, picture, a baby's diaper, picture what Jesus did for us as he humbled himself by becoming man. It puts it into a very different perspective for you. <laughs> the God of all creation the one who spoke the universe into existence, the one who angelic beings 
will not even look on him in his glory. And we celebrate a time when Mary was changing his diaper. (laughs) And it goes beyond just that, right? He lived through his life. He had difficulties. He got tired. He he took naps when crazy things were happening like a storm because he was just tired. He had to struggle through all of the frailties we have in this life, even to death on a cross. Because when God, when, when Jesus became man, he took on that death, that death that we have. That, that was his inheritance from us so that we could inherit his life. And it's really interesting because with, with birth comes inheritance, Right? leaving for your child the hope of a better future. You want to care for them. You want to love them. You want to give them everything that you never had, right? But Jesus willfully entered into a lost cause, a, a, a garbage inheritance of a death that he would have to go to for us. And so it's completely backwards. We celebrate Christmas because of the inheritance the baby would leave for us. And so that we are no longer inheritors of of a mistake, of a failure, of of death, but instead, because of what he did for us, we may now inherit his victory. Christ inherited our death so we would inherit his life. So how are you living out that victory? How are you living that new typeset that was laid down for you. Sometimes we get so hung up on the failures and the frailties of the first Adam. We get so dragged down by the sin and the difficulty of this life, of this world. And we look at ourselves and we see our shortcomings and we wonder how we can ever be good enough, how we can ever do good in this life. And we try and try and we fail and fail. And yes, we have a false start, but there's more to it than this false start. We are given a second life. And I think a lot of that is why Jesus describes it as being born again. The hope that comes that we are given this new template to follow, a new life to live in Christ. He went, lived through this life and his death and his resurrection so that we can join him in that. So this Christmas... Let's celebrate that. That is something to worship God for all the more because he gave us this incredible gift that we may live for. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, what an incredible gift you have given us. Jesus, you 
did so much for us. And we celebrate your birth because of what you did for us in your death and resurrection. And that is just so amazing. And I pray that we will not lose sight of that this Christmas because that is where our hope comes from and that we have this new life in you that you have brought to us. So I thank you for that. I pray that you will bring to us the incredible hope that is in you that we may live this life for you. And it is because of everything that you have done for us. And so it is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.